this is a great, great fellowship. I'm just impressed with your prayers and uh, the love of the congregation. Great, great congregation. But let me uh, get serious for a moment and tell you at least, uh, uh, so you'll know something about me, three goals that I see for myself and hopefully you as I come out here. The first one is I just came to encourage you, just encourage you, to hopefully build you up. I didn't come to beat you up. I think you can do a pretty good job of that by yourself. You probably don't need any help. And uh, I, uh, I don't have an axe to grind. I don't have any agenda. You know, I don't have any other than just to encourage you and to help build you up. So no guilt trips. I'm not here for any of that. The second thing is that uh, I want to constantly remind us, me, you, all of us, of the great love of God and the grace that he has for us. And that will be my big emphasis. And you just need to know where I'm coming from. And because of that, I'm going to try to emphasize what God has done for us a lot more than I emphasize what we are to do. And to illustrate that is like if the bank were to give you a new car and all of a sudden the only requirements you have to receiving this new car is that every month you have to write a little thank you note. Well... I don't know how you'd write the note. I don't know what, what attitude you'd have at the first of the month. By the way, it would look like a payment. You'd have to go through the same processes as if you were making a payment. But I doubt if you'd have the same feelings. And I doubt if you would go around talking about what you had to do to get the car. I think you'd be talking about the generosity and the great grace of what the bank did for you. So that's what I would try to be emphasizing because of that. And then the third thing is just to help us praise and worship God and give God the glory. And that I don't get any, and frankly, you don't even get any. I'm not even concerned about this church getting any. I'm just concerned about God getting all the praise and the glory. And uh, what he's done for us. <clears throat> and I, I really kind of come as a doctor rather than a lawyer. Uh, I'm coming uh, for healing and for comfort more than uh, uh, the law and uh, legalist. And as a, so that just kind of says what I'm here about. And I assume, and I preach this way, that I assume that I'm talking to people who are weak like me. And not hardcore, wicked people. And so it's kind of like Jesus when he uh, went out to, uh, to pray and his disciples were with him. And he said, wait here while I go and watch. And he came back and they were asleep. And, you know, and he says, oh, oh. <laughs> in Mark 12, and he says, I know you want to do what's right. But you're just weak. And so that's the way I approach it, and that's what makes the difference. And so as I come, I come with basically one big, big theme, and that is love is still the answer. Still the answer. 
It's the answer for the church. It's the answer for our homes. It's the answer for the community. It's the answer for the world. It won't get any better than that. I want to read from Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. One of the teachers of the law of Moses came up while Jesus and his Sadducees were arguing. And when he heard Jesus give a good answer, he said, What's the most important command? Now the guy asked a good question. He heard God's good an- Jesus' good answer, so they're going to ask a good question, and he does. Jesus says, the most important one says, People of Israel, you have only one Lord and God. You must love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second most important commandment says, Love others as much as you love yourself. No other commands are more important than these. The man replied, Teacher, you are certainly right to say there's only one God. It is also true that we must love God with all our heart, mind, and strength and that we must love others as much as we love ourselves. These commands are more important than all the sacrifices and offerings that we could possibly make. And when Jesus saw that the man gave a sensible answer, that the guy was wise, he said... You're not far from the kingdom of God. And after this, they didn't ask him any more questions. Love is still the answer. I travel and speak a lot, and I have Bible on CD. And uh, sometimes I listen to it eight and six hours. And so I just get an overall impression. I'm not studying, I'm not listening for anything specific. I just get a drift of what just keeps coming through. And there's three or four things uh, that just come through and won't go away. The first one is faith in Jesus Christ as God's Son and our Savior. That is the mark. That is the dividing point. Basically, everyone then believed in a God, but they didn't believe Jesus came in the flesh and was God's Son. And it, they didn't divide over stuff that we divide over. Sorry. The dividing line in the epistles is whether you're going to accept Jesus as God's Son or not. That's the biggie. Number two, impression is that the joy that comes to the Christian because he has the forgiveness of sins through Jesus and God's grace. It is so big. I mean, it's so easy to miss that. But the joy that God gives because we have come to Christ and accepted his grace. The second big uh, emphasis to me was the holy living Uh, Walking by the Spirit rather than the flesh and crucifying the old man. 
living a holy life worthy of that grace and love that God has given us. And then fourth, one of the big ones is we ought to be a peaceful people. We ought to love each other. Because of the love and grace that's given us and that joy that we have in Christ and that leads to the thanksgiving and praise, that we ought to just be a people who love each other. And we ought to be known for that. And and Jesus says we ought to be known for that. And that message just won't go away. And so as I listened to these scriptures over and over for six or eight hours, I had an overwhelming feeling, an emotion that came up in me. When I would listen to God's holy uh, word and his, uh, could I say, wishes for me, I just felt it was one response of saying, God, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. I am so far from what you want me to be. Have mercy on me. And then it occurred to me that if I ask God to have mercy on me, I have to have mercy on other people. To say that another way is to say that if I expect God to give me slack... I have to give other people slack. And that's so hard to do. Matthew 7, in verse 1. Don't condemn others and God won't condemn you. God will be as hard on you as you are on others. Now don't do that. I don't like it that way. Set up a great standard and something high and holy that I can't reach, and, but don't let me set the standard. You'll, he'll treat you exactly like you treat others. There's three areas that I want to mention today that love is the answer. The first one is love others and let them love you. Love others and let them love you. It's pretty plain that God's saying we ought to love each other. And it's two groups that I think of particularly where this is so important. And it's the elderly and the kids. It's called meeting the needs of those who can't meet their own needs. And so many times the elderly, they have a lot of physical needs. uh, Just have money and they need rides or just food or caring to the doctor, whatever, just a lot of physical needs. When you meet those, you're, you're walking pretty close to God. And then they have emotional needs uh, to be touched and hugged and rubbed and loneliness and et cetera, et cetera. I remember after my mom, after my dad died, I was living in Montgomery, driving back to Montgomery, uh, Birmingham, and preaching. And uh, one afternoon, just sitting out on the porch, totally unrelated to the conversation, Mom just looked over and said, Willard, if I just had somebody to hug me. I was so dumb. I didn't know. That's the last thing I would have named. Mom named it first. You remember the movie Driving Miss Daisy? 
and hold this guy, he's driving Miss Daisy, but he's got a better offer from another family. They're going to pay him $75 a week. So he's talking to Mr. Bewley about it, and he tells him about this offer that he has. And Mr. Bewley said, that's a lot of money, Holt. Yes, sir. Yes, it sure is. Lots of money. Yes, sir. Well, he said, Holt, I don't know about that. That's a lot of money, 75. He said, I don't know. Maybe we can pay you $100 a month, a week. How would that be? Yes, sir. Yes, that'd be mighty fine. Mighty fine. And as Holt started to leave and walked out the door, he stopped and said, Mr. Bewley, you know how good it feels to be fussed over? That's it. That's it. All the elderly here, every Sunday, they could hardly wait for the kids to get here to be hugged and loved and rubbed and fussed over and made over. Now who's going to hug them first and get to them first and make over them? The second part of that says, let other people love you. Don't push people away. There's people who would really love to love you. Let them... Uh, and make yourself pleasing, easy to love, and easy to pet, like an old hound dog. It's easy to get grouchy and critical and judgmental and condemning spirit. Have a sweet spirit. Let people love you. Now, I'll give you a little secret. The more you love others, the more they'll love you. Just the way it is. I've spoken over in Albany, Georgia uh, several times as in the home of this elder, elder over there, Bill Rowden. And we'd play little golf, and I'm with him a lot in the car and around. And I noticed he'd say, I love you. And, and so I asked him about it one day. Uh, I was in his home and watching him. He said, well, yeah, yeah, I tell people. I said, I tell my wife if I'm going to carry the garbage out, I'll say I love you. Because one day I know it's going to be the last time. And I wanted to know it. I, uh, one of my great heroes, John Stevens. Of course, old Dr. John is kind of slipping down. Age is kind of batting him a little. But every time I get to see Dr. John, I, I walk by him. Never, never fail to say, uh, uh, Dr. John, I want to tell you one more time, thank you. Tell you one more time. Thank you for bringing me here and, and giving me the job. Uh, changed my life. Greatest thing ever happened to me. Just want you to know again. Uh, that's one way of saying uh, let people love you. Is let them know how much you appreciate what you think. And I don't know who your heroes in your life are. I don't know who they are. But this is to all of them. When I am down, and oh, my soul so weary, when trouble comes and my heart burdens me, then I am still and wait here in the silence until you come. And sit a while with me. You raise me up, 
so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your shoulders. You raise me up to more than I can be. You may never heard this one. There is no life, no life without this hunger. This restless heart beats so imperfectly. But when you come and I am filled with wonder, sometimes I think I've touched eternity. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your shoulder. You raise me up to more than I can be. You raise me up to more than I can be. Boy, that's what we do for each other. I was talking to Rip Ripley, a great, uh, great salesman. He called himself a jockey salesman when he started out young and he was just getting other people's business and they said, you need to hire this guy. And I said, Rip, what do you think was the difference? What, what, what made it? Oh, he said, and that humble spirit, he said, I don't know. He said, I just loved on them coaches. They, uh, they'd lose and I'd go in the dressing room and just, he said, nobody else would go in there when they lost. Just loved them. That's something. Huxley, when he came to the end of his life, Huxley said it is rather embarrassing to study human problems all your life and come to the end of your life and all you have to offer is no better than try to be a little kinder. Here's the second area. Love others and let them love you. The second area is love God and allow Him to love you. And when difficult times come, God will see you through. I know some of you people here, some in this very congregation have just experienced all kind of pain and hurt and looked at disaster in the face. And you haven't lost your faith and your radiant smile. You know, one of the things that the cross, I think, teaches us, among others, is that just because God doesn't act doesn't mean God isn't there. When Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God hadn't forsaken him. I promise you, God was there. We only speak of absentness because God didn't intervene. And so the cross says that just even in the presence of pain does not mean the absence of God. Uh, 
In Mark chapter 7, there's an interesting story. Uh, well, Luke 7, because it's going to be in Mark chapter 2. <laughs> and uh, that story is that John the Baptist is in prison. And, and in essence, I'm going to add to this, and I'm going to tell you ahead of time, I'm reading between the lines, so if too much, that's okay, tell me. But it seems to me that John, he sends his disciples to Jesus say, are you the one or should I look for another? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one going to get me out of this prison? Or do I need to look for somebody else to do that? And when he comes back, he sent his disciples, and the disciples said, Wow, you won't believe what this guy's doing. You just cannot believe the power that God has given this man, all the miracles. Yeah, but what did he say about me? He didn't say anything about me. He didn't say anything. He said, Blessed is the man who is not offended because of me. It seems to me, I said it just seems that he's telling John, John, I'm not going to get you out of prison. It's not because I can't, but I'm not going to. And he doesn't explain it, and he doesn't answer the whys. I want to tell you today, in all the kindness I can tell you, whys won't be answered. You can't get answers. If you've got to have answers, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. I remember a daughter or a sister who was having difficulty, and she was talking to her brother. In fact, if I called their names, you would know them here today. And that brother wrote her and said, The quickest way to heal is to stop questioning. That's it. That is so powerful. If you keep questioning, you can never heal because answers won't come. They didn't come for Job. When Job was tempted, Job never had the... <laughs> he didn't read the story like we read the story and see that God's sitting next door with a camcorder recording and looking in. All. Job never knew all that. Job never figured it out. But I tell you what Job did figure out, that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. It was his when he had it, it was his when he gave it to me, so he can take it away if he wants to, since it's his. And then conclusion three, praise God. Fell down and worshipped him. Philip Slate taught in our missions department, ACU, a few years, and then he moved to Memphis, and he said he and his wife got to know a, a lady there, Eve. She was a little different, a member of the Tennessee Poetic Society, had a lot, a great faith, but had a lot of problems. She'd had a double mastectomy and wrote a little poem about it, even published in the medical journals. It was Hollywood. The title was Hollywood, You Don't Need to Call Me Now. And you can kind of finish that poem. And so she had a tough time. Her husband got killed in a plane crash, and her only daughter got killed in a fire, and her only grandson just turned out bad. I mean, just bad. And someone said, Eve, how can you have such great faith and optimistic spirit with so many problems? And even that poet one-liner said, Well, honey, when God puts a period... You don't put a question mark. Answers won't come. Faith can come.
acceptance, but that's about it. So let God love you. And you'll have difficulties. If you haven't had one, you're fixing to have one, or you just got out of one. It's the way it is. And you're going to get what Eddie, I think the best expression I heard of, of aging, calendar poisoning. You know what? He says it's okay if you remembered your Creator. God will love you to death. He'll love you all the way to heaven. Here's the third area. Love others and let them love you. Love God and allow Him to love you. And this is the hardest one of all, perhaps, is to learn to love and forgive yourself. Learn to love and forgive yourself. I know that's hard. We remember every mistake, every miscalculation, every stumble we ever made, and we play it over and over. We remember every day wasted, every promise broken, every goal not reached. And it just compounds the disgust we have for ourselves. And we would wonder even why God wouldn't wash His hands with us. And, just, and then in our sane moments, we know God wouldn't do that. Hudson Taylor said, before he had children, he, didn't, he knew God wouldn't forget him, but after he had children, he knew God couldn't forget him. I want to tell you, if God couldn't love you in your sins, he can't forgive you of your sins. God loves you in your sins, or He couldn't free you from your sins. In fact, is God loves you more than you love your sins. And I know there's all kind of a different emotions here today. There's some of you have fear. You just you fear of the of aging. Your fear of health, of of money, or falling, or just all kind of fears. Some of you feel useless. Just kind of in the way, over the hill. Some of you feel a lot of bitterness and resentment. Life hadn't been fair. And the kids haven't. And it didn't turn out. And some of you just feel guilty. Just blew it. Messed up. If only. But the only answer to all those emotions is the giving and receiving of forgiveness. And chances are we'll never forgive others till we forgive ourselves. It may be more important to forget than it is to remember. We worry about forgetting may be the best. Luke chapter 5. In fact, it was in Mark two today in our study. You've got a paralyzed man that's brought to Jesus and they can't even get in and so they tear the roof off and put him down. And when Jesus sees him, he says, your sins are forgiven. And uh, the Pharisees and all, they say, oh, whoa, no, you can't do that. Nobody can forgive sins but God. And Jesus says, well, big deal. 
Which one is it easier to say? Sins forgiven? Take up your patent? Whoa, well that's a lot more sins, about twice as many. And in case you can't figure it out and don't understand, I'll just let him take up and walk so you can know that I can forgive him sin. So he says, take up your bed and walk. Boom. He walks out. They all say, wow. You know what Jesus was saying in that story? You know what he's saying? You're your forgiveness is more important than your physical healing. That's what you really need. Forgiveness is what you need. It's what we all need. Ryan Campbell got in my class. And Ryan uh, walked real slow. And Ryan talked real. But I didn't know what the problem was and I never asked. I thought, well, he'll tell me in time. And so Ryan gets up and he gives his lifeline, as all students did in my class, the significant events in their life from birth that's made them who they are now. And Ryan keeps talking about this event that took place in his life and how it changed his life and he got so much closer to Christ and kept talking about this event, but he never told what it was. When he finished without pressuring, I said, Ryan, would you like to tell him what the event was? And he said, sure. In that slow way again, he said, well, I was in this van in California with my family. We were going down the freeway about 75 miles an hour, and I didn't have my seatbelt fastened, and the van turned over and threw me out. I hit on my head, and uh, wow, I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't even... He was in a coma for about six weeks. I mean, they didn't even think he would live. And, but he looked at that class. You talk about when E.F. Hutton speaks? <laughs> Boy, when Ryan... He looked at that class and said, if you were to ask me to back my life up three years and buckle my seatbelt, I would not because of the relationship I've gained in Jesus. He told, and of course he was just like a little child. He was having to learn to walk, talk again all over. And so he said, I'm going to speak in chapel. Won't you? I said, okay, I'll be there. So he speaks, and I thought he was going to tell the story. He didn't tell that. He just, making it short story longer here, <laughs> he said, I, uh, I wasn't supposed to live. I was supposed to be a vegetable, and you prayed for him. And I, could, and I wasn't supposed to even know my mom and dad. And and you prayed for him, and he went on on. And he said, uh, and now I can walk, and I'm in college, and I'm pledging. So I had a date last night, and they all cheered. And, and he looked at that four thousand audience, and he said, you know, the greatest thing God did for me wasn't giving me back my speech, wasn't giving me back my talk, wasn't giving me back my the greatest thing God did for me was forgiving my sins, just like He did you. You know what Ryan was saying? Most important thing is not health, forgiveness. It's the only thing that heals. Only thing that heals. Remember the movie uh, Field of Dreams? That expression, you build it, and they'll come. Kevin Costner was the guy who was going to build this filled the dreams where they could all come back and be young and live their dreams again. Had Doc Graham. Well, Doc Graham was played by Burt Burt Lancaster. 
And so he said to Doc, Doc said, I understand you never got to play Major League Baseball, just but one, about five minutes. He said, yeah. I said, I practiced all my life. I took grounders. I hit back practice. It was a passion. And then I got a chance. I went up to big leagues. I stayed on the bench all the year. And then right the last game, ninth inning, a coach said, uh, a young boy, get in the right field. I was so excited. I went out there. I was waiting for something to happen. And it never did happen. And I came back in, my bat didn't come up and didn't give me another chance. Sent me back down. I couldn't stand it. Didn't go down to the majors. Couldn't quit. Oh, Carson said, that's terrible. That's just devastating. I can't believe. That is, you, you were so close to your dreams. They, they walked right by you and they didn't even recognize you. Didn't even know your name. That was just devastating. Only get to play five minutes. Doc said, no. Playing baseball for five minutes wasn't devastating. What would have been a disaster if I'd only been a doctor for five minutes? And I wouldn't have come to this little town. And I wouldn't have saved that man over there his life. Wouldn't have delivered that little girl. Wouldn't have known these wonderful people. That would have been devastating. The last scene is, is that he's got the feel and they got Doc Graham back. He's now Moonlight Graham. He's feeling his young muscles, smells of grass cut. They got the ball going. They're about ready to play. And just about the time uh, Moonlight gets the bat and gets ready to hit, he hears a scream. Caution and his brother's been upstairs. They've been talking about this and his brother can't see it. And, uh, and so as he starts to walk away, he accidentally hits Caution's little daughter and knocks her over and she hits on her head and she's turning blue and they say, we got a doctor, we're going to have a doctor, somebody. And Moonlight said, I'm a doctor? And he threw his bat down and he ran to the foul line that separated that dream from reality. And he knew if he ever stepped across, he couldn't go back. And he steps across without hesitation and he loses his dream, but he lives his destiny. And I know today you've had dreams. You've had your dreams unfulfilled. Don't try to go back. You've had all the what-ifs and if-onlys. But don't try to change the past. Just accept. Forgive what you need to forgive. Love those you need to love. And be thankful for the people you've had in your life. That's all you can do. Then you live your destiny. Some of you may need forgiveness today. Public forgiveness. I don't know. You may need to confess Jesus as your Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Savior. Be baptized. That'd be a wonderful day. Great time. Start the new year. Wow. That would be better. And then if you need the prayers, the hug, love, rubs of this church, people will love you. You have to let them. If you have those needs, come while we stand and sing.